what a lot of people want when they're looking to decide to spend, you, you know, like 600 euros on a ticket for a conference, which isn't cheap. So like, who else is going? Who do I know that's going? Who am I going to see? What VCs am I going to meet? So if we can share that information, you know, publicly and via content, that's going to be helpful. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. Okay, everyone. Today we have Alex Thuma, who's the co-founder of SaaS Talk, which is a conference in Europe for SaaS companies. And I'll let him explain what that is in a second. But Alex, how's it going? Yeah, really good. Um, you know, good to uh, good to speak to you, Eric. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, uh, early uh, early St. Patrick's Day uh, over here in the UK. <laughs> That's always good. We were just talking about that a little earlier. You know, you're going to go, go out to the festivities and, and enjoy yourself. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of what your story is. Yeah, yeah, sure. So I give you the uh, the, the short version. Um, yeah, so I um, I had a, a, a long, well, longish sales career in my uh, uh, you know in my uh, short life so far. Um, uh, about eleven years in sales, straight after graduating. You know, found myself um, uh, you know getting my first sales job and kind of like working my my way up through various roles, IT support. Um, like selling IT support, you know, selling telecommunications, selling cloud communications, and then selling SaaS. And it was kind of in that those last sort of three years of that career when I was selling SaaS and getting to learn about it and seeing all these like cool new applications like Evernote and Dropbox and things like this that I thought were really cool and, and sexy and really kind of changing software that I, I took, uh, you know, more of a, a keen interest. And it was kind of like at that time, then I, I got this entrepreneurial yearning as well. And it's like, you know, just trying to figure out what is it I'm going to do. I don't want to be selling, you know, software or other people's products for the rest of my life. And, you know, be uh, and not that there's anything wrong with it, but I didn't personally want to be that, you know, 50-year-old guy that's, you know, working for HP and, you know, selling their platforms to large telco companies or whatever, right? Because that's what I was doing, you know, in my early 30s. And I, I was starting to lose the, the passion for that. So I, I didn't really have a good idea, you know, kind of like at the time. I certainly didn't think that I had a good idea what it was going to be. I thought maybe uh, selling, uh, you know, selling T-shirts on Shopify or something like that that I could do with, you know, low cost and a low barrier to entry. And I explored that idea for, for a short, uh, a short second. And, uh, uh, but then like, you, you know, so my, the, those sort of last few years at that, that software company that I was working for, you know, I started writing a blog cause I just wanted to push myself a little bit. And that blog was called Sascribe. It's still actually up on the, uh, uh up on the web. Um, but it, it's not really active, uh, at the moment. And uh, th- through that, we started, uh, or you know, I started sort of writing um, uh, articles uh, around SaaS, and it, it quickly actually gained some interest because I think you, you know this is going back to early 2015. 
that there wasn't a lot of uh, blogs and certainly non-vendor blogs out there on SaaS. So anybody that was writing stuff about SaaS, typically it was a VC, you know, who maybe had an agenda, you know, to promote their portfolio companies uh, uh, and, uh, you know, or it was, uh, you know, SaaS companies, um, but nobody there was kind of taking that unique um, sort of viewpoint uh, and sort of quickly grew that via the power of community and, you know, getting community contributors and community sharing uh, of that. And I mean, like for a, a nascent blog, like within within a few months, we got up to like 30,000, you know, visitors per month, which was kind of okay, I thought, seeing as I was doing it from my bedroom. And, uh, and, and then like people within the community started reaching out and you know, like folks from Intercom and, you know, other companies and other VCs and were like, hey, you know, this is cool what you're doing, we're rooting for you. So that was interesting to see that you know it was making a you know a few ripples uh, uh, there in the uh, you know in the ecosystem, and then uh, very quickly I thought I'll do a podcast, and I'd never done a podcast before, and uh, I thought this would be you know perfect uh, accompaniment, and I'm pretty sure that it was the the first you know again like sort of like podcast uh, for B2B SaaS founders around you know how to grow your business. That certainly that was non-vendor. And now there's, uh, you, you know, the, the, there's a ton of those uh, uh, out there. But I think I, I, I was the first and, you know, it wasn't great in the beginning, but I got, uh, I think my first guest was Mark Roberge from, uh, uh, formerly of uh, HubSpot, CRO at HubSpot, and he had a book to promote. And I just managed to get him on the podcast. And from there, all of a sudden, I'm getting, you know, Owen McCabe from Intercom, Jason Lemkin, Byron Dieter, and some pretty cool guests and just kind of running this as like a little hobby. And that hobby then kind of turned into uh, connecting much more with the the ecosystem, the community, conversations about, oh, isn't it a shame that there are no real SaaS events, you know, in Europe? And from there, the kind of idea was born that despite having no experience in events, uh, I seemingly thought that this was a good good idea and something that I could uh, go all in on and quit my job whilst my, um, you know, fiance was six months pregnant uh, and go from you know having a, a fairly good income to zero income in the household, um, and uh, and uh, yeah, and the rest is history. Got it. Wow. Okay. So, okay, you let's say you were working somewhere, and then you started this SaaS, this SaaS kind of blog. It started to grow, and then you started this podcast, and then the podcast is what led to the conference. Yeah, well, it was the podcast and the blog combined. I mean, the, the the blog led to the podcast, and then I think like the yeah, I mean the the podcast is still going. The blog is not going in, in its kind of, kind of current form because like after about a year and uh, we, we started the, uh, the conference from, so in terms of uh, timescales, you know, the blog started in February, 2015. Uh, by December, 2015, I had the website for the conference up and I had our first sponsors, which were Chartmogul and, uh, uh, and uh, Price Intelligently. Uh, so, so that, that kind of, you, you know, what is that? That's, uh, you know, like 10 months, let, let's say. And then all of a sudden, then we started like, okay, we need to do content for SaaStock. So we called the conference SaaStock, thought it was a better name than SaaScribe conference, you know. Uh, and, um, and then we had two brands or, to manage, right? So I managed with the SaaScribe brands, keeping doing content on SaaScribe and doing some content on SaaStock. Uh, and then he just kind of thought, you know what, let's just put the, uh, the, the, the written content on the SaaStock blog. So we paused the content on SaaScribe. But the podcast has continued. I mean, and again, I mean, the podcast has almost like a different brand, but it's powered by SaaStock. So that's the SaaS Revolution show. 
Um, you know, and that's been going since, you know, like March 2015. And those things enabled me to connect with influencers in the ecosystem and get like, you know, some awareness that when I reached out to them and say, hey, Christoph Jans uh, from Point Nine Capital and hey, Des Trainer, you know, founder of Intercom, uh, I'd love you to come and speak to my uh, speak at my conference that I'm doing in Europe, you know, um, for, for SaaS founders. They already knew me because I'd interviewed them, you know, had connected with them. And so it wasn't like, who is this guy, you know, whatever. So I had kind of done that, you know, that groundwork and some of the grassroots stuff uh, uh, to, to, to get to that point. Great. Wonderful. So what, what kind of numbers can you share around the business today, such as revenues, things like that? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, happy to share uh, some revenue. So like the first year, uh, I, I mean, all the, all the revenue, we actually, uh, if I uh, rewind a little bit before the conference, you know, when I had the blog and the podcast, I was exploring like, how do I make money out of this? Right. You know, and I was thinking, I was thinking like advertising, you know, is one, some sort of sponsorship, you know, events was like, you know, another thing. And like, I, I, I was involved in some like, uh, like crazy sort of like RFPs with Amazon web services, if I'm allowed to say that, I think, like, and some other, you know, companies and like about advertising and these always got excited about them, but they never came through. And then I made like a few hundred dollars here and there on advertising, but the numbers are just not enough. Like, you, you know, what we had in the traffic on Saskribe and uh, similarly, like the, the, the podcast, uh, I mean, like the podcast today, you, you know, it's growing slowly, but you know, we have about 2000 downloads per week, like per episode, which is kind of okay. Um, and, uh, but you know, we always want it to be better, but yeah, we, we explore, you know, um, revenue, uh, through other means around the blog, but doing events was kind of the one that it, it just seemed to make the most sense. And so we set the goal to, to get 700 people at the first event. And that was like a pretty big goal because if you speak uh, to most people that um, when they do their first year events and there is this kind of common trend, like Web Summit which started with 300 people. I mean, now it's 70,000. You know, if you look at, um, I mean, some of the other uh, or pretty much every other conference like in, in history kind of starts at that that level. And we said, okay, we'll go with 700. And there was a lot of eyebrows raised and it was super hard work. Uh, and we got there in the end. Uh, I have to say, like all 700 tickets, not all of them were paid, but the majority were. Uh, and we, we did about 350,000 euros in revenue on that event in, in the first year. I'd also um, uh, done some workshops uh, before that, which had you know made uh, probably about 20,000 euros uh, to in the same year. So let's say 370,000 you know, in the, in the first year. And that's 2016? 2016. And then we tripled revenue uh, in 2017. So the event did just over a million, uh, I think it was 1,100,000, something like that in uh, 2017. So we doubled the number of attendees, doubled the number of sponsors, uh, but we tripled the revenue. And actually, like the first year we weren't, uh, 2016, we weren't profitable. We actually lost money and that was a, you know, you know a tricky time uh, for me. And, uh, and then, yeah, in year two, we were profitable, but just, and, uh, yeah, now we're kind of looking, uh, so we're only in the third year of the business now. Um, but yeah, we're hoping to, uh, hoping to do around about sort of 3.8, uh, million this year. Um, and that is through again, you know, doubling the size of the conference, the, the global conference, but we've also launched what we, you know, I guess our kind of second product, 
which is uh, still SaaS stock, but it's SaaS stock on tour. Uh, and it's taking, you know, SaaS stock uh, across the globe. So now we're doing more than one event and just uh, not just relying on one event, which is quite sort of risky, um, certainly in terms of, you know, cash flow and just being reliant on, you know, uh, on, on one product. And uh, and now, uh, yeah, we, we're, we're launching. We've got seven uh, seven other conferences that we're doing this year, which are one day conferences around about the size of sort of 200 people each and just taking the essence of SaaS stock to a kind of local audience. So we, we that, that kind of starts next week in London where we're expecting uh, a couple of hundred folks um, at our conference. Great speakers again, you know, the likes of Des Trainer uh, from Intercom, Kieran Flanagan, VP Marketing at HubSpot, you know, Peter Bauer, who's uh, CEO of Mindcast and the only UK SaaS IPO today. So, you know, content is going to be good. And again, this is just like, you know, another revenue stream for us because one of the challenges that I, I've seen is that, you know, this is not, whilst we treat, you know, certain parts of the business like a SaaS business, we don't have monthly recurring revenue. And so we've seen that, you know, when you have just one annual event that, you know, the majority, 50% of our tickets are sold two months before the conference. But we were in, you know, for the first two years, a 12-month sales cycle. So you're seeing very sporadic ticket sales, you know, across the course of the year, and perhaps not enough to keep the, you, you know, the the overheads uh, paid. And then, you know, we're re- we're reliant on that and the sponsorships for this one annual event. But generally, the on ticket sales, the nearer you get to the event, the more tickets you sell. Uh, on sponsorships, actually, you can sell sponsorships, you know, throughout the course of the year as people are, you know, need to get their budgets in place. You know, and they they generally kind of tend, uh, tend to be prepared to do you know earlier deals um, and get those all planned and, and locked up in the diary. So very much sponsorships keeps the light on. You know, during that uh, during those periods when you're further away from the conference, but you're very reliant on hitting your monthly targets and uh, you know your quarterly quotas. And if you have a bad month, that could be, you, you know, uh, uh, not very good for the company. Um, you know, potentially, you, you know, not that we've quite been in the situation, but, you know, it could be that you may have to lay people off, you know, if, if we if we didn't hit our sales targets and sponsorships. But, you know, thankfully, we, you know, even like this year, we've only had like one, one, I would say, poor month, but the rest of them are kind of like, you know, uh, doing over and above, um, you know, our, our targets. So, but the, the we we know that we needed to launch more events, so that we can't just be reliant on that that one annual conference, so that we have more regular cash flow coming in. And the the answer I, I believe was doing doing more events. Awesome. So just just so I have my math right, so it sounds like you have one kind of flagship event that's in Dublin, and then you have seven additional events that you've added this year, right? Yes, seven additional events this year, and that's about as much as the bandwidth that we've got for uh, that we have, you know, this year. Um, where we're doing our first event in the U.S. in New York on the 20th of June. But I think we'll do more in the U.S., but perhaps not this year, just with the current size of the team. Yeah. You know, we, we don't want to overstretch ourselves as well. And, um, yeah, so we, we, we're, we're, we're playing it safe. I think we, we've picked certainly the cities where, you, you know, we have a good data set. You know, we're building up the list. We're building up interest in these particular hubs. And then there are there are a few cities on the list where we want to build more brand awareness. So, for instance, Tel Aviv, we know is uh, according to you know research reports, uh, Tel Aviv, Paris, and London are the three biggest hubs for uh, enterprise software 
in Europe and I guess, you know, Tel Aviv is not really Europe, but it's fairly sort of European, but it's, it's the Middle East. You know, those are the three biggest hubs in our kind of region. But hardly anybody, you know, is coming to Sasquatch from Tel Aviv to date. So, like, what can we do to change that? So, you know, so we're going to go to them and, you know, try and build some brand awareness and take up some of that cost. And we don't have big lists, email lists to hit up there. So it's a bit riskier to, to do that. But we know that there is this large concentration of companies there. Um, so we, we're just going to prepare to take, you know, take on the work and, um, you know, uh, and do an event there. But we know like London and Paris, it's much safer for us because we've had a lot of attendees from those uh, two, two cities and even those, you know, UK and France, uh, the two countries. So it, it's less of a risk. We have good you know, data sets there. So for us to get, you know, be successful on a 200 person event, it, it's a little bit easier at this stage. So how did I mean? How is your team built up now? So I, I guess I guess even a better question or a more tailored question is: You're doing eight events this year. What does it take to launch a new event in these these cities? Like, wh- what does the team build up look like, and what what does that workflow look like? Yeah, sure. So, uh, good question. So so to launch a new event, or if we look at even those seven events, uh, the seven new events, we have two people doing those now. Uh, the two people owning them, one from a, like a sales and marketing perspective uh, and one from an operations um, uh, perspective. So uh, only this year, this February, we've hired our first uh, head of events, uh, our, our first operations person. So for the first two years, we were just a sales and marketing organization. Uh, and all the uh, event management, operations, logistics, production, we outsource that, um, you know, to uh, uh, to a third-party company called Catapult, who are, uh, are very good. You know, they, it, it's an uh, expensive line item to to outsource that. And so we're now starting to bring some of that in-house, especially like with the tours. We didn't want to outsource the tours because of, we, you know, the, the cost of doing that. It's cheaper to have that in-house and, and also better for us as a company to have somebody thinking about, you know, the event management operations, you know, 365 days a year rather than just three months, you know, off the year in the run up to the uh, the, the annual conference. So um, so we made that decision. So operations is, is handled and Harriet's come in and, you know, hit the ground running. She's had like four years experience. So that's great to, to see. And then we have, you know, somebody managing the, uh, the, the sales and marketing. And again, like because we we're in our third year and we've built up our lists and they're, they're not huge but you know we've had 1500 attendees at the conference last year and how big is the list uh it's it's only around about 11,000 uh now but you, you know in 2016 it was 350 when we did our 700 person conference so i did a terrible job in the year one in building the list like literally i just had a box you know on the website which you probably would miss that says you know give us your email and only 350 people did, but we had to sell 700 tickets. So that that was uh, that was uh, challenging. But it, so it, it's it's definitely grown, and, and I think a large part of that is also uh, last May I hired our, our first um, sort of dedicated marketer, um, like experienced marketer, um, because in the first year it was me with only sales experience, and Chris who had experience from working you know within Web Summit, but more from like looking after the investors. Uh, but knew some of the ins and outs of, you know, I guess one of the most successful uh, tech conferences, you, you know, in, uh, uh, on the planet today. And uh, we basically just threw a lot of shit at the wall and, and, you know, saw what stuck. 
in, in the first year and uh, just hustled, you, you know, almost 24 hours per day to, to kind of get to the 700 mark. But we knew that was not scalable. And we weren't very data driven in the first year or like not data driven at all. Uh, and then Kumi came in in May of last year and like totally just made us like much more data driven as a company and where we've got, you know, uh, weekly marketing calls with, you know, goals, uh, you know, against, um, uh, you, you know, uh, various members of the team, what we want to hit, like what, how many downloads of the podcast we want to hit this week and how we're going to do that. You know, how are we going to increase the mailing list? You know, what is the goal to get it to next week and so on? So we're kind of breaking it down and, you know, giving ourselves specific goals uh, across the team. And now actually the marketing team. So whilst we have, uh, I know your, your original question was just around the, the seven um, Sastock on Tour events. What does the, the team look like? And it is just that sales and marketing, one person doing that and one person doing the operations. Overall, the company, um, because, you know, we have the flagship event, uh, so we have four people in marketing now. Um, so that includes Kumi, who is head of marketing, uh, Irina, who's our head of content communications. So, you know, content is a big you know part of our strategy to, to build the list. How, how much content are you guys producing right now? What does that cadence look like? Yeah, well, it, it's, it's quite good. I, I like, on a weekly basis, we're... <clears throat> We're providing at least two pieces of content, occasionally three. Uh, I think now, because we've got the on-tour events, what we started to do, uh, so the, the, the previous, the regular pieces of content that we've been doing um, are the podcast, which uh, has gone back to uh, weekly cadence. Like So I was doing it weekly during the early days and at Sascribe, and then uh, just because of bandwidth, I started doing it fortnightly, and that kind of stuck. But because we're you know putting more focus on growing that, you know it, it has been uh, discussed and decided that with, within marketing that you know uh, an increased cadence of at least once a week should help boost that. So, so that switch has happened just uh, uh, back to once a week just a few weeks ago. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's you know roughly around sort of two thousand downloads per you know per episode per week. And then um, we do a, a long form piece of content. We do that roughly about once a month, uh, whereby most of the strategy of our content is, you know, around promoting the conference, but in a like in an indirect way, right? So we uh, we interview the speakers at our conference, and we get to learn about how they've grown their business or what they think about hiring. So we did a recent piece with Nikos Moritakis, the CEO of Workable, you know, around uh, hiring and his philosophy around hiring. And uh, yeah, that's performed uh, reasonably well. Uh, you know, for us, it's currently on on medium because uh, we, we've actually had a uh, we had an issue with our, our CMS. So we've been using Expression Engine, which I don't think it, it, it's good for uh, the Sastock website and moving things around and drag and drop. But it's it's crap for the blog. So we're trying to you know get WordPress set up you know, on the blog and in the interim, we're doing stuff on medium, but that, uh, on medium, but that's not a long-term strategy. So we do these long form pieces, which are about 15 minutes to read. And it takes, you know, probably a 45 minute interview that Irina did with Nikos. Then she interviewed some of his colleagues. Uh, and then it takes almost like a week of writing and editing and, and, and then, uh, putting it up there. And, and these are, I, I think, they separate us a little bit from the noise, you know, that that's on, uh, you know, on the web 
uh, sort of these days in in terms of uh, I think this is very um, very well researched and very you know uh, high quality content. I might be biased, but you know kind of welcome your your, your opinion, Eric. If uh, <laughs> uh, you know if, if you get the chance to read it, so we do those, and then we we do like AMAs on. So we we have a Facebook group. Uh, so originally, so we community is a big strategic pillar for us, right? Uh, and growing that as well as, you know, growing our email list. And I think the two are combined. But originally we started uh, growing community on Slack. So I had the SaaS Revolution Club Slack channel, probably like one of the earliest Slack channels uh, again. But I didn't really have too much focus on growing that. And just having a community on Slack, it, you know, it, it's often very hard to kind of get that going and get the conversations going. So we've actually moved on to Facebook now and see that, you know, with Facebook's, uh, I guess, more kind of like virality kind of uh, features, that that list uh, or that group is growing. Uh, I mean, we've only had it, um, we've had it on Facebook for about a month, uh, you know, and it's probably doubled in size. It's still less than a thousand members, uh, but it's doubled in size in, you know, in a month. And, and that's, I think, just sort of naturally people sharing stuff on Facebook and then people requesting to join without us doing really that much specific marketing. Um, so we have some goals around getting that to 5,000, you know, within the next few months. And, you, you know, I don't think we would have got that necessarily on Slack. Uh, but then we're, we're doing AMAs and stuff like that on the Facebook group and then repurposing that content and publishing it as blogs. And with the SaaS Doc on Tour stuff, what we found has worked is actually um, some more like listicle type stuff. But like, you know, here are 10 VCs that you can meet at SaaS Stock on Tour London. And then the VCs love sharing that shit. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like, you know, we're, we're, that's going viral. And then all the, the other VCs in the ecosystem see the VCs that are attending. Then they start buying tickets. So we saw pretty good traction from that. Had a really good ticket sales day when, when that was launched. And similarly, we do the speakers listicles, some of the attendees listicles and feature the people that are coming. So that is a bit of uh, like social proof. So I think um, what a lot of people want when they're looking to decide to spend, you, you know, like 600 euros on a ticket for a conference, which isn't cheap. So like, who else is going? Who do I know that's going? Who am I going to see? What VCs am I going to meet? So if we can share that information, you know, publicly and via content, that's going to be helpful. And like, you know, on, on my podcast, when I interview the uh, uh, the guests, you, you know, as I say, they're all speakers at uh, at the upcoming conference. So one of the questions is, you know, what what are you going to talk about at SaaS eighteen, and what are people going to be interested? So trying to whet the appetite, you know, and get people excited, you know, twelve months out, eleven months out, ten months out, etc. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just I just got an email from uh, somebody from your team, and I was just look, looking at all the people on the email thread. So it looks like a really good list of people uh, attending. But anyway, working towards wrapping. Up up here, what do you think are maybe two or three mistakes people should avoid when if they're looking to throw a conference? Yeah, um, mistakes to avoid. I mean, do you know what? Like, if I could have had a mentor in the first year, I would have made so many, so you know, many fewer mistakes, right? Um, uh, I made a lot of mistakes in the first year, and a lot of people make mistakes in the first year of business, and you learn from them. But some of them can be so expensive that you'll go out of business, right? Uh, and one of the things, like, I had no idea what the final, like, because uh, it was bootstrapped, uh, and we we drove the the conference via revenue. So, you know, the ticket sales that came in that month, the sponsorship that came in that month, 
you know, it paid our bills, it paid the bills for the conference. But up until maybe like a few months before the conference, I didn't have a real handle on what everything would cost. So like 12 months out when I sold those uh, initial sponsorship deals, I didn't realize like, how much it would cost me for the, the sponsorship booths and stands, et cetera. So I actually lost money on quite a lot of the sponsorship deals because I didn't have any indication of you know what the cost would be. So I think that that, that was definitely one of them, uh, like mistake to you, you know avoid. And how would you get around that today? How would I get around that today? I mean, similarly, like what happened? Yet yeah, somebody reached out to me. So if anybody's listening to this and that wants to put on a conference, reach out to somebody that's put on a conference and uh, you know have a conversation with them and you know, trying, you know, get them to kind of share as much in detail, you know, as they can to kind of help you. So a guy reached out to me, um, he's in based in Germany, wanted to do a conference, hasn't done it before the first time. You know, I only have so much time, but I thought, look, I'll, I'll take this call willing to help the guy out. And I just kind of shared, you know, the things in a little bit more detail, you know, what to avoid and some of the costs to kind of look out for and, you know, how you can try and, you know, get around that. But certainly, I waited a way that perhaps you can avoid that in, in my uh, instance. I mean, apart from having a mentor and somebody um, like even like, you know, Max uh, Outschooler, you know, at Sales Hacker, like, you know, if had I spoken to him, you know, in the very beginning, you want, he might have helped me say, look, you, you don't need to pay that much for staging and for sponsorship stands, et cetera. So it's maybe it's just getting that mentor in kind of early and trying to get the budget sort of sorted much earlier. So you know, you know how much you should you should be selling your sponsorship for. Also, like how much you should be selling your your tickets for, right? Because the ticket price should be. That was a question that came yesterday. Uh, you know, like how much should I charge for my tickets? And I was like, well, how much is it going to cost you to put on the conference? Because, like, you know, if you want to break even or if you want to make a profit, then your ticket price is, is going to be, you know, however many attendees, you, you know, divided by you know, your cost of the conference and, you, you know, then you make, you put your margin on top, right. To, to figure out what the, um, what the price is going to be. And so if you don't know what the price is going to be, you don't know how much money you're going to make or lose per ticket. Um, so these kind of things, I just had no idea really about. So I was very, you know, uh, naive in the, you know, in, in, in the first year. And I think again, like building the email list, like soon as you, the quicker, the better you can build the email list, you know, the stronger your email list is, the, the much better chance that you have of, uh, uh, of selling tickets, right? Because it, it's probably 50%, I would like to say like 50% of the tickets are sold via your email list and nurturing that email list and just, you know, keep informing them and selling them on the conference. And then 50% is a word of mouth thing. And that kind of like somebody on the, on the list may have bought a ticket and they're going to tell somebody else, and you, you know, and then that kind of goes on, and th that word of mouth sort of builds. So now we 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 know that we've got a good word of mouth, you know, because the brand is building, uh, and and that a lot of people just know that Sastock is happening. So they might actually unsubscribe from our list because they don't want to get you know weekly or fortnightly emails. So it's it's sad to see when you see the people unsubscribe, and you're like, hey, do they not care anymore? But they still buy tickets because they know, you know, when it's happening. They just don't want to be pestered with all the regular updates, right? So, um, so th those are a couple of things. Right. Okay. Great. And so, two more questions from my side, or maybe just one more. What is what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value to your life? So it could be like Evernote. Yeah, uh, not Evernote, um, but uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I don't use Evernote, but. 
Doc, can I give two, actually? Uh, Do- Docsend has been pretty cool. I tell you what, like last year, we had Russ Heddleston from Docsend speak at, at SASDOC 17. And before that, you know, he, uh, we were speaking about Docsend and, you, you know, I, I signed up for Docsend. And uh, this was actually before, I was still doing sales at this point. And um, I just gave up on it very quickly. I didn't end up using it. Um, and I just started sending out, you know, all the sponsorship decks on PDF. And then we hired our first uh, head of sales in October of 2017. And uh, we made the decision to like go with Docsend and give it another go. Uh, and it's been a very powerful sales tool for us. You know, we, we really like it. I mean, just the, the examples are, right, we send out the decks. You can, t- you can see if somebody has not opened that deck and if they've not looked at it, right, they're not super interested in partnering with you. But, you know, if somebody has been on that deck five times the day before for 20 minutes and they've been on the certain pages, it's given you so much intelligence that, hey, you need to, you know, contact this person tomorrow. And generally, it's always right, you know, that you can hit that person up. And they respond, get an email, uh, get a call, and, and, and the sale closes. So uh, that's been super cool. Um, so love Docsend. And we just started, so as we're into our third year, you know, we've gone from this uh, startup with like, you know, zero processes in the first year, no, not being data-driven, no, no CRM in the first year, to uh, we're in our third year now. So we're growing up quickly and more process driven and we started to use asana and so we're using asana for like all our project plans our marketing schedules and plans and it, it's pretty cool because it's collaborative across the team the whole team can see what we're doing and the whole schedules and who's got tasks and who's tagged etc so i like this where we're growing up becoming more collaborative more process driven uh, and asana is a great tool for that Great. Final question. What is one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Yeah. So uh, I actually, I listened to your podcast a couple of the times in the, the last week because I have a last commute, uh, a long commute, sorry. <laughs> and uh, and uh, pretty much, uh, well, I think like two people said the hard thing about hard things. Now, it is a great book, but I'm not going to say that, um, uh, although I do recommend it. I would say uh, it's along a similar vein, but more autobiographical uh, is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Yeah. So again, that was just an awesome book. And like, you just didn't know like the struggle that for however, what it was like 20 years and like the amount of times that Nike nearly went out of business. And I think the ultimate kind of message was, you know, just around tenacity and, you know, keeping on going. And, you know, there was a similar message in the hard thing about hard things, but the times where they kind of nearly went out of business and end of quarter and they had to get the deal in, but it's kind of just, keep on going and the struggle, but they both kind of shared that struggle message. You know, it is, it is hard, right? Uh, and it is one of the hardest things, but also one of the most rewarding things. But also I think, you know, the keeping on going uh, message is important and one that resonates with me because, you know, as I mentioned on the podcast, you know, we didn't make a profit in the, in the first year. Uh, and so making a loss on a bootstrap business, it can actually be, you, you know, quite uh, fatal, but we had to kind of find a way around that. And my way was to kind of, you know, obviously not, not take any holidays or anything, but to, just to continue going out there selling and selling hard. Uh, and then, you know, coming out with some of the best sort of months, uh, you know, in revenue that we had, which pulled things around. So it, it meant that we were chasing our tail a little bit in 2017. But, you, you know, the, the kind of, um, you, you know, 
keeping on going, not giving up sort of message and knowing that it's hard was something that resonated, uh, uh, especially like in Shoe Dog. So great book. Love it. Well, Alex, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah, um, on Twitter, I tweet a couple of times a day at, uh, at, at Alex Thuma. And I'm trying to do more Instagram. I, I do believe in Instagram, but I, I think I'm failing at the moment. Uh, so I, I want to be more like David Cancel or, uh, uh, I don't know, some other people like, you know, who, are, who I think are doing a really good job on Instagram. But uh, uh, but certainly, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm at Alex Thuma on both. Um, so, so find me there. Um, and also come and find out about SaaS Doc. You know, it's a conference for for global SaaS founders, execs, and, and VCs, and the, uh, the 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 annual one is happening in uh, in Dublin, fifteenth to the seventeenth of October. And go to sasdoc.com and find out more. Who's speaking? I think including your good self, Eric. Right? I will be there. Good, good, good stuff. Well, looking forward to it. All right, Alex. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, no, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.